I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I'm delighted to welcome back to the show after a few weeks out, the brilliant Mr. Mike Stavrou. Mike, how you been, man? Long time no speak. What's going on, man? What's going on? I've sort of gone into hibernation a bit with um, the end of the season, uh, all of that disappointment of missing out on the Champions League and a... Uh, yeah, I'm, I've sort of enjoyed it because I feel like um, with with the transfer season, obviously we've got to cover it because it's our job. But when I'm not working, I'm just like, put my phone down, don't look at anything. Um, but you're always just like tempted and it's like, oh, you know, you're on Twitter and then in the search bar, it's like Gabriel Jesus is trending and it's, it's quite hard not to get sucked in by it, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. How are you finding the summer window? Because I literally hate it i mean obviously yeah. as a content creator as a journalist you've got to you've got to cover it you've got to be on top of yeah. it you've got to be getting content out consistently but there is a part of me that absolutely despises the transfer window particularly at this stage where mm. a lot of the stuff is still in its infancy like a lot of the potential deals are still in their infancy and yeah, yeah we hear of other clubs getting business done and stuff but from an Arsenal perspective, it, it very much feels like we've got our targets. We're going to do everything we can to get them, I believe. I think yeah. there's at least two targets that we can be certain of. But everything else is kind of, it doesn't feel quite right. And I think that what we're seeing now is that people are getting a little bit irritated because other clubs are going out there and they're doing business and they're completing deals. I mean, I don't want to get sucked into that kind of wave of negativity, but at yeah. the same time, there is a little bit of frustration and it's difficult to kind of um, to process it. How are you finding it and how are you finding it work-wise? Well, it seems like it's going slow, but I mean, it only opened four days ago officially, didn't it? The transfer market. Uh, so, but we've been talking about it for months. So I think we've known obviously for a long time that we've needed a striker and, and a midfielder. Um, so I think that's where the part of the frustration comes from. And then obviously when you see other clubs getting business done, uh, like we'll talk about on today's show, it just adds to that frustration. But I would just say to people that are worried, just you know, just focus on Arsenal, like focus on ourselves and don't get, you know, caught up with what other teams are doing, what other clubs are doing, because at the end of the day, that's that's out of that's out of our control. What we can do is just is just look at us essentially. But um yeah, I mean, look, I understand the frustrations because where you know about six weeks off the start of the season and we've got um no sort of big players in that we need obviously Marquinhos yesterday that was some good news for us um but like Eddie said in the statement it's a player for the future so in terms yeah. of improving the starting level right now it's getting a bit frustrating especially because I think it's so clear what we need we need a centre midfielder and we need a striker and obviously there's other areas that that we'd like to improve squad wise, but those are the two that we have to do in order to move forward. Um, so hopefully the next few weeks will be, will be vital. I think maybe once the, now the internationals uh, sort of come into an end, you might see a bit more movement, I think, because players will be back yeah. um, or, or they'll be on holidays, but they'll be back with their, with their clubs in a couple of weeks. So maybe it might start to ramp up now. Fingers crossed. Let's uh, take this super chat uh, just very quickly from Gunner down under. Thank you so, so much, mate. 
for your very kind donation and support of the show. Thank you to a few of you that have left uh, super thanks as well, which is now a thing on YouTube uh, on uh, a couple of the recent streams as well. Uh, really, really do appreciate that too. But Gunner Down Under says, absolute shambles our club is. Always reactive, never proactive. Always buying at the last minute, two weeks into the season. If you fail to prepare, be prepared to fail. Now, I understand the the frustration because you look at Liverpool, who have gone out and brought Darwin Nunez in, right? They've gone and dropped a lot of money on a player that we were linked with, that a lot of us felt would be a good fit for Arsenal. They've gone and dropped uh, a shit ton of money on him and they've got that deal done. Manchester City have got a deal done in Erling Haaland. You look at Tottenham, who have already signed Ivan Perisic, look as though they're going to get Jed Spence and look as though they're probably going to sign Yves Basuma, who we'll come on to in a minute. I understand why people look around and think, oh my God, everybody else is moving and Arsenal are not doing anything. But I do genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, feel that this is way too early to be throwing our toys out of the pram. Now, if you have to wait three or four weeks to get the right man, that's not really an issue. Like, it's not an urgent thing at this point, is what I would argue. The team haven't even gone back to pre-season yet. So, in my view, whilst I get it, I don't really understand why there's so much anger. I think that it comes from the past. I think that we've been burnt in the past by leaving things till the last minute. And I think there are a lot of question marks around the ambition of the people upstairs. And that obviously kind of fuels this anxiety around the fact that we've not got these deals done just yet. But Mike, at this point in the window, I mean, the window's been open for what, three or four days? Yeah. Surely there's got to be just a tad more patience. That's my opinion. What do you think about it? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? And um, you know what? Like at the beginning of the window, like before a few months before it started and we were getting linked to Jesus, um, I was like, I was so confident it was going to happen because you you look at, you look at it and you see obviously the Brazilian link with with Edu um, and you look at the Brazilian players in the squad with uh, Gabriel and Gabriel Martinelli. And I saw a picture with them the other day with um, Takira Tomiyasu because uh, they were playing against Japan. Mm-hmm. And you saw them them three or them four together all in one picture. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm convinced that we're going to get him because it just makes sense. The Arteta connection as well. And then you sort of read like of um, Jesus being offered to Chelsea and Spurs are interested. And obviously... That gets you a little bit worried because they're Champions League clubs at the moment. They both qualify for the Champions League, so that is one obvious draw you can you can offer to a player, and that's a player that has been playing in the Champions League for the last five seasons, however long he's been at City. So, yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? And when I think when his agent came out and said, um, you know, we're convinced by the project, I think that that's when I said, okay, you know, this is it, kind of we're going to do it. But as it gets closer and closer. Uh, and it gets further down the line, you're sort of thinking, oh, I don't know, like Chelsea, is Lukaku going to go? Are they going to go like all out for a striker? Are they going to go for Jesus? And you start to get a little bit like a bit a bit panicky, do you know what I mean? So I, I do understand where that frustration is coming from. It's just whether they can get that deal over the line. And more importantly, if they can't, who are the backup options? Because I think we'd all love Jesus. I think we've all identified him as a good fit. But if the player does decide that he wants Champions League right now and can't wait a year, potentially two years, then you have to you have to go for the backup. And it, we're not hearing about the alternatives yet, but maybe it's a thing where 
the name isn't as sort of big and juicy as as Jesus is, and that might not leak because fans might go into hysteria. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a difficult one, especially with with Jesus. The midfield's slightly different though. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's let's talk about the midfield, and just before we do that, actually, I talk about the anxiety that we've got. Um, you know, as a fan base at the moment, you only need to glance at the live chat right now to understand yeah, yeah. what I'm talking about because people are going at each other. Guys, keep it, keep it civil, right? We all we all support the same club. We all want the same thing. Um, wow, another big uh, super chat from Gunner down under. Thank you so so much, mate. Um, let's just uh, let's take his comment on before we uh, before we continue through the agenda. He says it's not the point of waiting. Clubs don't wait for the windows to open, then say, "Hmm, who can we get?" All these other deals aren't done overnight. They've been in the works by preparing for the window. We wait, and then we get the scraps left over. What I would say to this, and and look, it's valid. Okay, clubs should be prepared for windows, particularly when they're going to be important windows, like this one is for Arsenal. But it's not always in your hands as a football club. OK, so let's take the Gabriel Jesus example. Gabriel Jesus is wanted by Manchester City. They've made it crystal clear that they are going to put a contract offer on the table for him. Now, if Gabriel Jesus takes his sweet time over considering that offer, if Manchester City are in his ear, if he is now considering looking elsewhere as well, Arsenal can only go to a certain point in this preparation, if you want to call it that, before they hit a brick wall and are now reliant upon the player, his representatives, the selling club, all kind of getting around the table and discussing this. And, yeah. and that is out of the football club's hands. So whilst you can be prepared and you can have your target, it's a bit like buying a house, right? You can have your mortgage offer accepted. You can have your surveys done. You can have everything ready to go. But if the seller isn't in a position to complete that deal at that point, you hit a brick wall. I mean, I remember when I bought my place, Mike, I was waiting for weeks for one piece of paper. Like these things happen. OK, and, and I'm not saying that the club are blameless here. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's no way in hell they could have been better prepared because I don't really know how prepared or unprepared they were. But what I would say is that you've always got to remember that this is not solely in Arsenal's hands. When you're trying to buy a player from another club, it's mm. down to the player. It's down to the selling club. There are so many factors at play there's, here. There's a Champions League factor as well, Harry, isn't it? Because planning 100%. with and without, because obviously those targets will change based on where we finished. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and you know, you may have gone 75% of the way in the negotiation with Gabriel Jesus and then missed out on the Champions League. And now you're back at 50%. So yeah. th there's all these things that you've got to consider. And there's all these things that come into play here. So I, I totally understand the frustration. I do. And I get why people are worried and I get why people are desperate to see Arsenal go out and do the kind of business that is going to propel us back into the Champions League. But I just feel, and it is my opinion, that on June 14th, it's too early to really know how this window is going to pan out. You know, yeah. and, and that's where we're at. With, um, yeah, with, I was going to say quickly on, on Jesus, I think, so uh, like all the reports are saying that he wants to stay in the Premier League, right? So I think he's either got... He, I think he's got three options. He's, he stays he stays with City, which I think is the least likely because they won't want to lose him on a free. They'll want to get as much money as they can. So I don't really see that as a real option. And obviously he's not really being played. Haaland's coming in. So he's probably not going to play. He's going to get even less game time next season. So for me, two real options are us and Chelsea. 
Spurs, I don't think uh, are a suitable club for him because they've got Harry Kane. So he's never going to break into there. So that's the same situation as uh, as as City. He's not going to break ahead of Kane, not going to break ahead of Haaland. So that's not really real. For me, his only real option is Chelsea, where obviously the new owners are going to want to you know, lay down a, a Premier League proven uh, signing. And if you can get one for about 40, 50 million, I mean, that's probably decent business. Um, and obviously they can offer Champions League football, um, wages, I'm not really sure who could offer more, to be honest. But for me, he's got two choices. And always, you know, when there's not a clear option, it's going to take longer, isn't it? It's not like Haaland, where he probably had Man City in his mind for a long time because of the, the connection with the club and because, you know, they're one of the best clubs in Europe. So it's not easy, is it? And this is the, this is all things we need to factor in. So when people are going, you know, why aren't they getting the business done? It's the same old Arsenal, blah, blah, blah. There's always more to it. There's always more to it. Of course there is. And and the other thing is that, um, you know, people seem to, I think, not everybody, but th- there are people out there that, that seem to forget where we are today. Like, yes, we're Arsenal and we're a huge club and we should be a big pull and a big draw and we'll always be that to a degree. But like, you know, people making the comparison to Liverpool, for example, going and getting Darwin Nunez. Well, the reason that deal has been done so quickly is A, Liverpool have the money. Or actually, let me rephrase that. Liverpool have the willingness to spend that money. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, they're right at the top of the tree in terms of where they're competing right now. And so it's a no-brainer for the player. And, And so when you think about those things there's not an awful lot of convincing that needs to be done. Well, you don't need to convince Benfica because you've gone and given them what they've asked for straight away without any messing around. Yeah. And you don't really need to convince Darwin Nunez to join one of the best teams on the continent. Of course not. Whereas Arsenal have a lot more convincing to do. Add to that the fact that we don't have... No, again, let me rephrase that. Add to that that we don't want to seemingly spend the kind of money that it takes to get these deals done just like that. And you find yourself in a much more difficult negotiating position. Now, we can debate until the cows come home why we are in this position now and how we got here and all the factors that have contributed to our current state. But that is the reality. It is our current state. And we've got to consider that when, um, you know, when uh, obviously assessing how this window is going to go. Now, if we get to August and we haven't done any significant business, I will promise you I will be as fuming and as disappointed and as frustrated and as livid as everybody else. But to be quite honest, I just don't think it's worth spending my entire summer feeling outraged for something that could still happen. Like, mm. I, I, And I'm like this every transfer window. Those of what, who have watched this or listened to this for a while will know that every window I say the same thing. Yes, I feel the anxiety. Yes, I feel the frustration. Yes, I get up and I get down about certain deals. But at the end of the day, until the window's closed, it's impossible to assess that window. And actually, it's probably impossible to assess the window then. The only time you really know if it was a success was come the end of that season, when you've seen how those players have then come in embedded and the impact they've had. Let's talk Yves Bissouma, because this is one that has led to a lot of outrage and a lot of frustration. Um, You know, the news has broken today that he is seemingly on his way to Spurs. Spurs and Brighton have agreed a fee in the region of £25 million. And I put a poll out uh, on the uh, live stream saying, how do we feel about the news Bissouma is headed for Spurs? Four options. 
angry, frustrated, indifferent, or like we've dodged a bullet. Now, the reason I say like we've dodged a bullet is because, of course, let's not forget that Yves Basuma has a court case hanging over his head where he's been accused of sexual assault. Now, I don't want to be one of those people um, that says somebody is guilty of something when they might not be. And I don't know for a fact, you know, so I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't want Yves Basuma because he's this and because he's that, because until proven guilty, and even then you don't really ever 100% know. The point is here that put that to one side in terms of how we rate the player, but it's not something that you can completely overlook in whether this is a deal that should be done or not. I put that poll out, as I say, and the majority, 36% of you, are feeling angry about the fact that Bissouma is on his way to Spurs. Mike, where are you on this? How do you feel about it? Is this a massive opportunity missed? Um, I don't, honestly, I, I think I I like him as a player and maybe before we bought Thomas Party, I would have been really gutted if we hadn't signed him. But because we've got someone who does a similar role in Party, I don't really think we can be that angry about it. Um, because for me, the, the way I look at the midfield and what I want moving forward, um, just assuming that Arteta sticks with this 4-3-3 that he's, he was trying last season. So we've got our the base of our midfield, who's party. We've got our sort of right-sided centre mid, which is Odegaard. What we need is a left-centred, left-centre mid who can score goals because that 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 is what we're missing. That is the big problem with this team is that the goals aren't really spread around enough, and there's not enough of them. Bakayo Saka was our top scorer. Emil Smith Rowe was our second top scorer, and they've got a combined age of I don't know forty something. So, you know, that you, you can't be reliant on them. You need to look elsewhere. And even though we are bringing in a striker to score goals, um, the way that our team is set up and the way that Arteta likes his centre forwards to operate, they're probably not going to be scoring 20, 25 goals. Like, it probably, like, it was, say, Jesus, he's not going to chip in with, with 20, 25 goals. I think he, if he gets around 15, that's a good season. So what we need is more goals from midfield because we've not had that in a long time. We, we've not had that since Aaron Ramsey. So we need someone with an eye for goal. And I don't think Basuma is that player. So I can't be that gutted about it when he doesn't really fit the sort of mould of, of what I think we should be going for. And especially when you consider Yuri Tiedemans has a year left on his contract and maybe we can get him for about 5, 10 million more than the 30 million Spurs spend on Basuma. I'm, I'm not going to get that upset about it. I, I understand why people will be frustrated because he's a really talented player. And whenever we've come up against him, he's looked class. You know, I can't, I can't be that upset when I'm, I don't think that's the right direction we should be going in. Yeah, and I'm the same. Um, I got a lot of stick a couple of summers ago for being quite big on the on this kind of Bisuma thing, in the sense that I kept saying that you might like him, I might like him, but if Arsenal really liked him, if Mikel Arteta really liked him, if Edu really liked him, if he was part of the plans. Arsenal had ample opportunities to go out and make that deal happen. The guy's been flirting with Arsenal Football Club for the last two years. You know, mm -hmm. how many comments has he made? How many sort of cryptic social media posts has he put up sort of linking himself with Arsenal? There's been so much of that, yet Arsenal have never made their move. And that suggests to me that regardless of what we think, Arsenal don't have him at the top of that list. And so... 
you know, let's see what the alternative is going to be. And I agree with you. I think that Tielemans is a better fit for what we're looking for. I think that it's been really obvious in the last few months that Mikel Arteta, when everybody's available, hasn't wanted to play with two defensive midfielders or two deep line midfielders. He's wanted to task Thomas Partey with sitting in front of that back four and being almost the, the Yanker man and looking to progress the play from there with, you know, Martin Odegaard to the one side and Granit Xhaka pushing forward on the other side. And we've all agreed that Granit Xhaka doesn't look 100% comfortable in that role. Mm. Tielemans would. Tielemans is someone who will get close to the opposition's penalty box, does have a goal threat, far more of a goal threat than Yves Basuma yeah. would bring you. He's technically, I believe, on a better level, on a higher level. Um, and and for me, fits the system that little bit better. Now, when you think about the fact that I don't think Granit Xhaka is going anywhere, I think that in Mikel Arteta's mind, again, whether you agree with this or not, Granit Xhaka will be someone that can play that deep role if Partey's not around. Sambi Lakonga yeah. is somebody who's been earmarked as a player who can play that role if Thomas Partey isn't around. And so in my view, a player of Bissouma's profile is not quite the priority. And I'm not just saying this today because he's seemingly going to Spurs. I've said this for two years. Literally, if you go back on this podcast, on these videos, you will find me on numerous occasions saying Yves Bissouma is a good player. I like him, but he is not what Arteta wants and he's not what Arsenal are looking for. So why get upset that he's going elsewhere? We're, get, we're getting a lot of stick, Harry, by the way, in the comments. Bring so it, some, like... some people are saying, um, are basically making the point that, well, party only plays 40% of the games. But the mm. problem with that is even if he does, when he's fit, he's going to be first choice. So you'd have to then convince Bissouma to say, come in and play, you know, when party's injured. And that's just not how it works. Like, players are not going to be convinced. Someone like him, he's been playing at Brighton, who are around mid-table. He wants to go to a club who are challenging for the top four or in the top four. He's going to want to play. No one's going to want to go and be a backup or be cover for someone when they're injured. And as you say, we do have other options in that area. So uh, some uh, other people saying, oh, another year with Xhaka. But uh, like, that's not what we're saying. I, I think in, in an ideal world... And, and my... Xhaka was never going anywhere. Why, yeah. why are people deluded to think that he's yeah, going? I don't know. But for, for me, my midfield for next season, if, if I could write it right now, would be Party Odegaard, and Yuri Tielemans. So, and then with Xhaka as backup, as you say, when you need a bit more of a defensive shape, he can slot in beside Party in a in a two, or or you can change it up. You know, the, the, we have options. We have Lukonga for the long term. And then you've got El Elneny as well, who's just signed a new deal. You don't want too many midfielders. Uh, like, we, we do need cover, of course, but you know, you've got to be realistic. We didn't even mention El Elneny. It's another player yeah. who's going to sit one. in that position as well. How many are you going to have? Like, yeah. w when you're drawing up the list of priorities for Arsenal this summer, yeah, a, a midfielder probably makes my top three, but not that profile of midfielder. So let's focus on on getting the players that we need first. Um, and then we can look at maybe whatever else we could potentially do. But I just feel like at this moment in time, I think we got a clear steer from Arsenal that this summer was going to be about adding less but players of a higher calibre in yeah. order to try and take this project onto the next level. And, and I think that's what you're going to see. Now, what that can mean is that it can mean that you do narrow down that list because if you're going to make big investments in people, you want to make sure that they are the people that the manager wants to work with, that the club feel are the right choices. And, you know, 
if you started being all willy-nilly and like saying, oh, well, you know, we might not get Jesus now. Let's go to second in the list. Let's go to third in the list. Let's go to fourth in the list, fifth, sixth, seventh. You end up doing what Tottenham did last summer with a manager and ended up with Nuno Espirito Santo, who lost his job after a few months because you're just settling. So I don't yeah. want Arsenal to settle for players that they don't genuinely believe are going to come in and contribute and help. And when you look at the business we did last summer, the vast majority of it has proven to be good business. And so I think as fans, based on that, we have to not totally sort of just, you know, ignore it and be, you know, smiling and, and nodding our heads to everything. But we have to kind of back off at this point and say, OK, look, the window's just opened. Go out and show me something. Go out and prove me wrong. Go out and do the business that is going to make me go, yeah, you know what? I'm confident Arsenal can be an improved outfit next season. But to kind of lose it at this point, it's just madness to me. I don't get it. And there is lots of stick in the chat and no problem. You know, we'll, we'll take some questions uh, in a little bit and, and put your questions in. Explain why you're feeling the way you're feeling, why you're outraged, why it's, in some people's words, disgusting that Arsenal have let Bissouma move to Tottenham Hotspur or, or sort of get close to that deal. Uh, another super chat from Wayne. Wayne, thank you so, so much. He says, Harry, this fan base has a habit of being obsessed with one player. First, it was Higuain. Now it's Bissouma. We wow, do do Higuain. that. We, we do do that. We we become so narrow-minded. You know, we, this is the guy. It has to be this guy and nobody else. And bang, we all jump on the bandwagon. And when that player doesn't end up at Arsenal, we end up talking about it for the next 10 years. I mean, how many players over the years have we gone, oh, Arsenal could have signed this guy and they didn't. I just chill out. Like, let's let's see yeah. what we're going to do. If we got Tielemans in, and if we got Gabriel Jesus in for striker and midfield, I'd be delighted with that, wouldn't you? And both of those deals Absolutely. are still very much possible. Absolutely. And if we can get them done and over the line before next season, I think we'll be in a such a stronger position. But as I say, you know, it's kind of in one of them situations where for Jesus, there's competition. Tielemans, I think, you know, from everything I've been reading, Arsenal confident that they can get that done. And when he's not really been linked to not on a lot of other teams, Leicester um, are obviously not um, not in they're not in Europe next season, are they, Leicester? No. At all? No. So that would be an upgrade for him. Obviously, he played in the Conference League last season, so he would have got a taste of Europe and and will want it again. So for that, I, I think that can be done. Jesus is the big one, and obviously, people focus a lot on striker because. We literally don't have any. Like we've got Enketia, who looks like he's going to stay now, and then we've got Balogun, who needs a loan urgently. So I think people are scared because you've got if we don't sign anyone, you've got the prospect of going into a season with one senior striker, which is obviously you know puts pressure on. Um, but as I say, I, I just think if Jesus does turn us down, which could happen, the sort of backup alternative options need to be strong. Um, I don't know, Harry, you probably watch a lot more of Skamaka than me, but would you think he would be a suitable alternative if we can't get Jesus or not really? I'm in two minds about Skamaka, to be honest with you. I think that if you watch his highlight reels, you will see basically Zlatan Ibrahimovic light. Like he's big, he's tall, he's physical, he, he brings the ball down, he's got a rocket of a shot on him. And I think that you can get easily sucked into that. I think a lot of his game, though, when you watch him sort of over 90 minute periods is quite untidy. And I don't really know. Um, I don't really know if that is 
what we need and what we're after. Yeah. Um, again, and then there's that thing about how does he translate that Serie A form over to the Premier League, which is always a big concern for me, in particular when they're coming from that league, because I think that league is difficult in its own right. And there's a lot of nuances to that league. And, it, and I always say it's my favourite league in the world. But it is very, very different to the Premier League. And I think that transition can be quite tough. So, no, um, I'm not not massively keen on Skamaka. Um, and it doesn't really feel like that is a goer at this moment in time. You know, but but this is the thing with Arsenal, Arsenal fans, right? So, like, um, uh, Rob says in the chat, Skamaka, no. We might as well go for Tony. So this is this is where we've got to decide what we want as Arsenal fans. And I'm not talking about Rob specifically here, but there are Arsenal fans out there that will go out and say, if we did sign Ivan Tony, oh my God, he is below us. Why have we gone and got him? Yet at the same time, they're losing their, their shit about a Brighton midfielder leaving to go to Spurs. And it's kind of like, you know, you can't have it both ways. We have to accept that we aren't going to go out and get the world's best players. Maybe we can afford them, but the reality is they don't want to come here because we're not, as I keep saying, dining at the top table. So we have to be creative in our recruitment. And sometimes that's going to mean getting behind and backing mm. and supporting players that you or I don't necessarily believe in. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale is a prime example of that. When we made that sign-in, I was like, what? Like, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. We've got, 25 million pounds we haven't got a midfield and we've gone and spent it on a goalkeeper that's been relegated in back-to-back seasons that was honestly my view at that time yeah you know I thought maybe he'd go on and be a good goalkeeper one day but he ain't there yet he's not there today and how can we be deemed as responsible when we clearly have a weakness in another major area of the park and we've just ignored it to go and bring in Aaron Ramsdale and that signing has worked out and that's that's happened a few times last summer. Ben White, I think, has been a really good signing. I think Odegaard was another one that people were questioning and has proven to be a very, very good signing. And I just feel that having got that stuff right, as Arsenal fans, we now owe it to Edu and Arteta to, at least now at the beginning of the window, to just take a step back and say, "Yeah, go on then, let's see what you're made of. I mean, it, it, that's, that's, that's how I feel, Mike. I mean, I, well, I yeah. can't. I cannot get irate, angry, disappointed, frustrated at this point. It's too early for me. Well, I'll go, I'll go back to that comparison that I keep making about last summer where, you know, our window, like, let's not like, let's not chat rubbish here. Like our window was slated. Like we spent the most out of any Premier League club. We spent about 160 million on, on, you know, about five, six players. And we were slated for it. Like spending 50 million for White, 30 million for Ramsdale. People were saying, oh, there's no, there's no hope of top four. They're not even going to get in the top six. I saw some people predicting us finish like 10th and stuff like that. And they were saying, oh, well, you know, look at Arsenal. They spent all this money on unproven players. Look at United. They're going to challenge for the title because they've got Ronaldo and they've got Sancho and they've got Varane. And just look how that works out. It's yeah, not always sure. about it's not always about the individuals. It's about building a team and building a cohesive unit of players that you think fits in into the character of the side. I think for a long, long time, Arsenal bought players that were could be considered luxury players um, because they had outstanding individual talent. But what we weren't doing is building a team that was you know that worked towards a collective and had the same 
sort of character traits and sort of passion and ambition were the same sort of like profile of player, same age, you know, sort of like stage of their career where they're at looking to prove themselves hungry. And I'm glad that we've moved away from that because we don't want to see signings like Willian anymore where it's his, you know, last big contract and he's not really got much to give. We, we don't want that anymore. So I think what we have to do is just give give faith into into what we've tried to do. Because I think what it is, Harry, fans want it both ways. They want to be able to buy into the culture and they love all this like um, stuff, um, you know, all these like promotional videos and uh, like Aaron Ramsdale in the, in the chip shop with David Seaman and, you know, all of that sort of stuff that they lap it up. But then like two months later and, and we missed out on the top four and, and they're moaning because we're not, we're not sort of signing players that are like at the, at the peak of their careers and we're not getting our business done instantly. Where it's like they've taken a different approach. And if they see a character that's not quite fitting, even though 90% of fans would love Arsenal to, to, to sign him, the club don't think that. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it sounds patronising to say, like, just, just put faith in them, like, trust them. But as you say, I think they, they've earned the right to do that for at least this summer. If it doesn't work out and we're back in the same situation next year where we've missed out on top four again, you've got every right to question that approach. And you've got every right to say, well, it didn't work out, but not back in the top four. But considering we were so close to it and and we and we just missed it with the youngest team and the youngest manager in the Premier League, I think you've got to give them a little bit. And, and it's the same fans that said we were going to finish eighth and we were useless and that Mikel would be sacked and, and all of that, that we're now up in arms that we just missed out on the Champions League. I mean, come on, talk about moving the goalposts. Um, mm. Joe makes the comparison to Liverpool. You know, that's why Liverpool works because of what Mike's been explaining. Players who want to play as a team, not to show off for themselves. And when you think about the way Liverpool did it, right, and, and they've been incredibly competitive over a number of years now, Sadio Mane, Southampton winger. You know, he wasn't the one that everybody was clamouring over. Sadio Mane comes from Southampton, impacts the team, does brilliantly. Mo Salah, who had been in the Premier League prior and ultimately been a flop and had gone to Rome and done relatively well, but wasn't exactly, you know, in everybody on everybody's lips as the next best thing. Roberto Firmino came from the Bundesliga. Not much talk about him. He wasn't even a centre forward, really, when they signed him. You look at some of the midfielders they brought in. I mean, I remember when Jordan Henderson was signed, thinking, Jordan bloody Henderson for all that money. What are you doing? But it, 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 Virgil van Dijk, another prime example, Southampton. You know, it's not always about going out and bringing in the glamour player. And we don't always know what's best as fans. We can have an opinion. We can have a view. But, you know, a, a YouTube compilation doesn't, even come close to the level of scouting that will be done by one of these clubs when they're about to go and lay millions and millions of pounds on someone. And I think that there's a, I always think that, and this is something I've really learned, I would say over the pandemic, Mike, that sometimes you have to let professionals do their job in certain things and you can have your view and you can have your opinion and you can be critical, but you got to remember that your opinion and your view and your criticism comes from a place of less knowledge and of less expertise. Uh, and of emotion as well. And of emotion. Exactly. It's like, I always say this, you know, a doctor tells me something. I'm going to listen to the doctor. Why? Because you're a doctor and you studied science and you know what you're talking about. I might have an opinion and a view, but it doesn't mean I'm going to dismiss yours because 
you know, I, I just don't agree with it. I'm not coming from a place of education on that particular subject. And I think the same can be said with players. I mean, the amount of times we see fans going crazy online for players that, um, you know, that they've never watched, never even heard of. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, the game says, Harry, you're always taking digs at the other side of the fan base as if to say you're right and they're wrong. It's getting pathetic now. I'm not taking a dig at anybody for having an opinion. I'm just saying that my opinion, which is what people subscribe to come and listen to and view here, is what I am saying to you. Now, you know, that's my view. And so naturally, I'm going to think the other side of the view is wrong. You know, people don't like it tough. Like, that's my view. That's my opinion. That's what this podcast is based on. And I don't think I'm saying anything out of line by suggesting that to be throwing your toys out the pram four days into a transfer window when the reality is you actually have no idea what is going on behind the scenes, the same as I have no idea. It's just pointless. It's pointless. I mean, do, who wants to spend their summer literally crying about stuff that might happen anyway? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. But anyway, um, a bit back there. I shouldn't have. <laughs> can't help it anyway let's uh let's continue through uh let's chat about a couple more players mike and then uh we're going to open it up for questions for the remainder of the show there's over 500 of you live with us right now which is incredible considering it's lunchtime just goes to show how many of us actually work during the day right uh, <laughs> make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already we've got 91 likes on the board but i'm going to set a target of 250 uh by the time uh, the show is out. So let's try and get their ASAP. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. It really, really does help. Okay, Mike, we've been mm. linked with a couple of players. Marcel Sabitza. Any thoughts on him? Um, it's okay to say that you don't have an opinion on this. It's just a link that's been doing the rounds courtesy of Build uh, in the last few days. Joined Bayern Munich relatively recently, actually. Um, and it hasn't really worked out uh, based on what I've sort of read. Um, Austrian international can play in the centre of midfield, can play from the right as well, uh, can play in a slightly more advanced role. Is he somebody that tickles your fancy? Yeah, I think when um, when he was at Leipzig, I watched quite a bit of him because I covered Bundesliga for a couple of years um, when I was at TalkSport. And um, yeah, he was a player 100% that, that I sort of liked and someone that could chip in with the goals was you know, technically sound um, and I thought we should probably go for, but then obviously, you know, buy and come calling and it's it's difficult to say no to them. Um, but I think what's happened with him is what ends up happening to a lot of players that buy and who are talented. There's just too much competition there and he's not quite been able to, you know, really prove himself because he's not really had the, the game time. Just looking at some of his stats now, he's made 27 appearances in the Bundesliga last season. But I can see most of them are subs, like five minutes, eight minutes, five, nine, you know, some 90 minutes in there, but very rarely. Um, so obviously, he's a player that, that that needs that game time. I think when you're sort of at, at that level, people will say, oh, you know, like, why would he leave Bayern to join, to join Arsenal? Well, I think if you're not really playing, you're 28 years old, you're in the peak of your career the number one thing you want is is regular football. And I think that's what he would get at Arsenal. So, yeah, I think if we if we don't get Tielemans and that deal doesn't work out, he definitely would be one that, that I would look at um, because, as you say, like he's the right profile. Like He chips in with, with the goals. He's um, 
an Austria interna- international as well, I think. So he's clearly experienced. And yeah, he's definitely one of those players that I would say that we should be looking at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If the opportunity was to present itself. And yeah. the reason I, I brought him up is because that report from Build suggests that Bayern would be open to selling him for something like 12, 15 million euros. Yeah. Now, again, though, you know, let, let's put the price to one side. If he's a good fit, he's a good fit. But you know that if we did sign him, you'd get that noise again. Oh, my God, look at Arsenal. They decided not to sign Bissouma because they didn't want to spend around £30 million and they went for the cheaper option of Marcel Sabitzer, regardless of how good a fit he might be. And this is why you can never really win, can you? Unless you go out and do it on the pitch, it doesn't matter what you do um, in these months because there'll always be somebody that's unhappy. Another player is is Christopher Nkunku. He's been linked with a move to Arsenal. It doesn't look like he's going to leave... RB Leipzig this summer, really, I would say. Uh, looks as though they're going to tie him down on a contract with a, a release clause. But that Arsenal talk isn't going away. They're one of a number of clubs that are being linked with him. But again, 20 goals, uh, 14 assists in 33 Bundesliga appearances last season for RB Leipzig. Definitely a really, really talented player, 24 years old. Mm. But when I look at where Christopher Nkunku thrives, which I think is probably just off of the striker, doesn't fit does it yeah it doesn't fit but i think he's quite versatile isn't he so could could play on the right could play on the left could play as a number 10 could maybe play as a number eight so i think yeah he'd be an unbelievable signing but i just can't see it happening harry this one i think he's got agreed yeah i think he's got higher ambitions than arsenal right now at this stage of his career you know, 24 years old, um, and he's been linked to, you know, loads of big clubs. I'm sure, I'm sure Bayern will be, you know, sniffing around and, and seeing if they can nab him. You know, you've got teams like, I, I reckon, honestly, I reckon he could go to any top club and, and perform because I've watched him play a few times Champions League this season and he's just sensational. I think he's the modern sort of forward, like a complete sort of forward because he just plays in so many positions. He's got... He's dynamic. He works hard. He's got great skill. He's got a nose for goal. He gets loads of assists as well. But yeah, I kind of think with with the teams that will probably be interested in him, Arsenal will, quite, will be a bit below. I, I heard as well, um, uh, Rangnick wanted him um, at United. Obviously, he's not staying on as consultant now, but um, I read a report that's quite funny. It was like when he arrived at United, he was shocked that they hadn't been scouting him. Um, and obviously that's how highly he rates him. Obviously, Rangnick has that um, connection, doesn't he, with um, with Leipzig and Salzburg. So he would have seen it in Kunku a while back. Um, but yeah, just not. I just think we're a bit, a bit, you know, far off that sort of player. Um, just touch on something. I want to go back to something you said about Liverpool as well. Go ahead. Because um, you did say that sort of they'd been taking gambles on players a little bit, like obviously signing Firmino from Hoffenheim and. And Mane from Southampton and um, and Salah as well from Roma. I think he was at at that time. Um, but then I I could see us making those sorts of signings this summer. So players like Jesus and, and Tielemans are probably m- maybe slightly above where where they were. Um, but for us to go to the next level and Liverpool when they made those signings weren't anywhere near the title. But when they were looking to t- make that step to the Champions League title. They that's when they signed Van Dyke, splashed out on Van Dyke record signing. Allison spending you know 
six, however much it was, 60, 70 million on a keeper. The reason they're allowed to do that is because they sold Coutinho for 142 million. Whereas we don't have anyone anywhere near that. We'd have to sell about, I don't know, like our best four players to make anywhere near that sort of money. So that's the reason they're able to do that, I think. And Liverpool have never really been a team that's sort of lived outside of their means like Man City. Um, the, the reason they've got there is because of, you know, sustained success and obviously the clock, the the clock draw, the fact that you can say you've got one of the best coaches in the world. So, you know, most players would want to go for that. So I think Arsenal fans need to be a little bit realistic about where we are and what sort of players we can target. Um, but for me, it's just it's just really interesting to to see us on a sort of upwards curve. And I'm not going to, you know, have a go at the club if it, if I don't believe it. And as you say, I think some people are just angry that we are where we are. And there's, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. We can only hope that that we're in the right direction of travel, which I think we are. But this is the exact kind of thing that, you know, that, that gets gets up my goat. And this is why I do maybe come across that I'm biting back at people or that I'm telling people that I think what they're saying is stupid. I'm going to do that very thing right now. Um, apologies, Rowan, but things like, because Edu is terrible at negotiating. Have you ever sat in a negotiation with Edu? Absolutely bloody not. It's, it's complete and utter nonsense. Like, it, it, it's just so, it's so reactionary and based on so little actual knowledge and understanding. Now, I don't say, I don't go around saying he's great at negotiating because I don't know that. Just like you don't know that he's bad at it. But the, these narratives just keep going around and keep, you know, going around in circles and being picked up by anybody that's willing to have a go and anybody who wants to have a bit of a moan on that day. It, it drives me absolutely bonkers. Not a single one of us has been in a negotiation with Edu um, yeah. to know whether it's Edu's negotiation technique, whether it's the club not being willing to go that extra mile financially, whether it's players not wanting to come to us because we're not in the Champions League. We can guess, we can speculate, we can go around in circles, but we don't know, um, you know, what the actual nuances of these failed negotiations, as you put them, are. You know, we don't know what they are. We don't know what the problem is. It's pure guesswork. And so to make comments like that drives these narratives that this person is bad and that person is bad. And, you know, let's all have a go at them. And then they crop up later at later dates. And we just end up getting sucked into this circle of negativity. And it drives me up the bloody wall. You know, this is this is a club that managed to get Thomas Partey when nobody thought we could. You know, we had uh, top reporters telling us, on the day that we signed Thomas Partey, do you remember in the morning, I think it was, was it Fabrizio Romano? Maybe on the day or the day before, there's no chance Arsenal are getting Thomas Partey from yeah. Atletico Madrid and bang on deadline day, Arsenal went and got it done. Okay. We were told that, you know, we weren't going to, we weren't going to keep hold of Bukayo Saka who signed a contract when he did. Okay, now he's due to hopefully sign another one soon. We were told that Martinelli wanted to leave, that Mikel Arteta couldn't handle him and that the relationship was broken between the two. And then you've got that same Gabriel Martinelli who, when he scores a goal, goes running over to the coaching staff, the same coaching staff that he's supposed to have a problem with. He gives him a hug and a, and a big smile. It's just, you know, we don't know anything. Um, Rohan then says, so do you sit with Edu? No, but I've never said he's a good or bad negotiator. That's the point. That's the point here. I don't speak from a, a place of, of no knowledge. It's, it's literally just you spouting off nonsense. 
And now you're trying to flip it back on me, but I didn't actually sit here and say he's the greatest negotiator in the world. So there we go. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of this yeah. today. Bloody you up. have to laugh. You have Bloody to laugh. You yeah, to you laugh. do. You do because it, it's like, you know, it's like it's just people coming up with with rubbish. Yeah, like, I think I, I think a lot of people just want to be angry, Harry. A lot of people like I think no matter what we say, or no matter what what anyone says who's trying to look at it with a with a sort of balanced lens, there's always going to be something. Like, I remember we we're talking about Tielemans and we explained why we think he'll be a good fit based on his profile, based on his goal scoring, and then it'll be like, well, Tielemans had a rubbish season last season, and then it's like, okay, case closed then. So let's let's just not get him now. Let's let's not talk about it anymore. So no, no matter all the cases we put we put towards him, why we think we should get him, why we think he's a good fit, you know, he had a bad season, so he's rubbish. You know, it's it's very much like final things, and no matter what you say, people can always find a, a rebuttal to something to fit their their agenda, which which is what it is. Like if you if you want to be angry, if you want to criticize everything the club does while ignoring everything good they've done, then that's not a balanced view, is it? Like yeah. I can I I can sit here and say, of course I would love us to sign our players early, get them in the doors before preseason. And that would that would be my criticism. I, I would say, yeah, of course I, I'd like that to happen. And it's a bit of a shame it's not. But then I can also say these are the things that I'm happy with, which which I've stated today. The, the culture, the the right sort of player that we're bringing in. But and and that's that's called being balanced. I'm, obviously, I'm a I'm a fan as well as a journalist. I try my best, and I'm not always going to be spot on. But I don't just go at it with negativity the entire time like a lot of people seem to do. Exactly that. Exactly that. Look, um, Rohan's not going to take this line down. He's come back again. He said, "I only said it because the transfer prices are observable, and we've released like Torreira or Guendouzi. But Edu didn't sign those guys." Like th this is this is the point that we keep trying to make. The reason that we stuck with dead wood like that is because of the regime prior to the one that we have now. Yeah. It's because of those people. It's because of people like Raul Sanlehi who were heavily involved with a lot of deals that were now have now come to light as questionable, and that's why he was sent on his bike. It's because we tried the Sven Mislintat approach. Do you remember where he was coming in and picking out players that Unai Emery didn't want, and there was a big breakdown there, and all of that went wrong? You can't sell something for a good price that nobody wants. There has to be demand for something in order to get top dollar for it, and and that's the reality of that. Um, look, we're going to um, we're going to take some more of your comments and of your questions in just a moment. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. It really, really does help. Um, you know, honestly, it is um, it is so important to the channel. And please do subscribe as well uh, if you're new. Uh, Peter says, cool down, Harry. A lot of people are cross with what's going on. I'm not saying you can't be cross. I'm saying that you can't sit there and make throwaway comments that have no basis or no ground upon which they are built. They're just nonsense comments. If somebody wants to come on, um, you know, with us right now, I'll drop the link in the chat. If somebody yeah, wants come to come on and explain come on, guys. why they feel the way they do properly, like in a, in a proper conversational manner, you are more than welcome. If someone's going to come on and say, Edu's a crap negotiator, Arteta's got Lego hair and is a cone man and all that normal nonsense that we hear, then I don't want to hear it because it's not, it's not educating. It's not helping anybody. And it's not adding any value to the debate. If somebody wants to come on, you know, 
let me know in the chat. I'll drop the link. I'll do it. Why not? I'm not afraid to hear um, other people's opinions. In fact, you know what, Mike? Should we just drop the link in there anyway? Yeah, do it. Let's let, let's see who comes on and we'll chat to them and let's ask them it. why they're so angry. Yeah. Jay says he does have Lego hair, to be fair. <laughs> there you go. The link is dropped in the chat box. Let's uh, let's hear come from... Come on, typically Arsenal fan. He's saying, drop the link, Harry. Which sounds like he wants to come in. I don't know. There it is. It is the link has been dropped. Let me pin it to the top as well. Um, and we'll, we've got around about what, 15 minutes left. Let's try and get through as much of this uh, as we can. Assignment general joins us. How you doing, mate? Can you hear us? Yeah, not too bad. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Loud and clear, mate. What do you want to say, pal? Um, I can understand, you know, the frustration of the Arsenal fans because they can see that, you know, our rivals have bought a player that most of the fan base wanted in regards to if Potter gets injured, you know, he would be someone who can come and do a job for us, you know, going forward. So I can understand the frustration in that aspect, but I can also see it in another sense in the style that Arteta wants to play going forward in terms of his football. You know, Basuma is not the profile that we are looking for. So I can see it from both sides of the coin in regards to that aspect. But it is it is frustrating to say the least that, you know, looking at our rivals around us, that they have signed players and Arsenal haven't done anything. And this has been going on for years. You know, I've been supporting Arsenal for a long time. I'm 40 years old. So I've seen the comments with Arsenal in regards to their transfer. And I only believe the time that we signed players in early was when we was under Unai Emery and we got our players in. But, you know, what's happening now is just, I think the whole fan base is just reactionary in regards to this is dropped. Everyone's just doing their not on Twitter space. And I'm just like, I can see it from both sides. Yes, we're angry because... He would improve the midfield, you know, barring the fact that El Nenny's signed a new one-year contract. People thinking was that a mistake for El Nenny to sign? Because if we do get Tillemans, that's only one additional player that we have, and all the rest are just the same as we had last season. How has that galvanised the squad in regards to giving the midfield a lift just by having one player? If you had two additional players. Then you can say, okay, we've got two new additional players who have come into the squad that can give us, you know, that can give the team a morale boost. And we've got two additional midfield in terms of they can come in and they can change the game when it matters, which, like I said, I can see it from both points. What what I would say, mate, though, is... I think when we look at summer transfer windows in particular and we go into them and we talk about what we need as a team and how we need to develop, we almost dismiss the idea that a team can improve based on the players it already has. Like, you know, you look at a lot of the young players that we've got. So, for example, you say about the midfield, Martin Odegaard, you'd think, would be better next season, stronger. If Thomas Partey can stay fit, for a longer period of time, that automatically strengthens us. If you, you know, if Sambi Lakonga comes on a little bit in terms of his development, that improves us as well. So you can improve a team by coaching it, by developing it, by players individually moving on a level in their own games as well. To me, I think 
it was pretty clear what Arsenal's intention was going into this window. It was that they were going to try and add three or four players of a higher quality. And they, they literally came out and said that we did the heavy lifting last summer. This time it's going to be about adding the right players. Maybe they'll cost us a little bit more money, but we're going to bring in the people that we think can take us to that next level. So would you, like, I kind of would rather Arsenal go, okay, right, well, if this is what we've got to spend, and remember at the heart of all of this, that's what it comes down to, what can we spend? If they're sitting there and they're going, well, I think that Tielemans is the man and Jesus is the man, but it takes us a few more weeks to get those deals done. I'm okay with that. You know, if and, and it goes back to the point I keep making. If we get to the end of June and the middle of July and then the beginning of August and we still haven't done the business, I'll completely understand the outrage. I just don't get it today. That's the point. And that's what I'm really struggling with. Go on, mate, because I'm going to bring some no. other people on as well. <laughs> no, I completely understand where you're coming from. But the thing is, is that We've had a case of, we know that players who've come from abroad, like Thomas Party, Atletico Madrid, never, you know, injured. He's come to Arsenal. He's been hit by injury after injury. So we have to look at AK. Is this going to happen again? I think for some Arsenal players or the majority of Arsenal players that Thomas Party cannot keep fit at Arsenal. That is the general consensus among Arsenal fan base that he cannot stay fit. Look at Kieran Tierney, look at Tomiyasu. Three of the key players that we miss going into the latter stages of trying to get four, um, top four, they were injured. So it's just that census in the back of their mind saying that we can't rely on Thomas Party because he's been injured predominantly, you know, last, se um, last season. We need someone else in to replace, uh, you know, we need someone else in as backup. Lokonga, as much talented that he is, he needs to go on loan. He's not ready. Arsenal tried to play him as a number six and it did not work. He got torn to shreds. He needs to go unknown. You know, this is the thing. But like I said, I think the whole Basuma situation, because of the pending investigation which is going on, which has now been extended to the 24, to find out what was his situation in regards to that, I think that the general aspect with Spurs is that they know that he won't be found guilty, which is the reason why they have signed him. And it's worrying to know that for 25 million, that would have been a real coup for us to say, yes, we've got a player in that can deputise if party was injured. Yeah, we won't I, have I, I, totally, I totally you get that, mate. I, I totally get that he's a player that a lot of people liked and a lot of people wanted. And I get there is a little bit of disappointment that, that we've missed out on him. But I'm, I'm going to let you go, mate, just because I've got other people queuing up to get in. But the final thing I'll say is that it doesn't matter if me or you or Mike thinks that they're the right player. Clearly, the club don't because they could have made this move a couple of years exactly. earlier. Yeah, so, exactly. I get, I get your point to that. And I'm saying, like, as much as us as a fan base want him, it's the club who don't think that he's the right profile player for our spot. We just have to wait and see what happens. Exactly. That. Yeah, wait and see. Yeah. Let's, let, let's, let's see what they do. If they don't go and sign a midfielder, then I think we've got every right to turn around yeah. and go, oh, we missed out here. But let's see what they do. Anyway, mate, thank you so, so yeah, much. Cheers. Really appreciate You're you welcome. coming on, pal. Cheers, thank mate. You. Thanks. Thanks, man. Let's bring on uh, Elliot. Um, Elliot, I'm going to give everybody uh, a minute, mate, to uh, give their views on this, just because we've got a few people waiting and we're running out of time. But go for it, mate. 
first of all, thank you for having me, allowing me on your show. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. First time on uh, Chronicles of Beginning. You've run a very tight ship here, and I and I appreciate the time you've given me. <laughs> thank you, mate. A pleasure to have you. Indeed. Go for it. I I've been spamming. Well, I wouldn't say spamming the chat, but I've been mentioning the chat on 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 a few occasions there that it should have been Basuma and Telemans and not Basuma or Telemans. And my thinking is this, for 50 million pounds, you could have solidified your midfield for the coming year. And for 50 million pounds, we got a half-ass defender last year. So make sense of that. So you don't, you don't, you don't rate Ben White? Not really, no. Not really. I think uh, Saliba is going to come in and eat his food this year. Quite simply, yeah. I think he, I think he's going to um, he's going to take the place of Ben White. I wow. think he's going to have a very. Uh, I, I know, I know, uh, I know. It's going to be very difficult for uh, Ben White to keep his place. But again, it's Arteta's man. So again, he's going to give him chance after chance, as he has already already has for Granite Xhaka, who I bring around to it will be the replacement for Mister Partey if he ever gets injured. That's a, That's a bold shout, mate. That, um, just what makes you think that? Um, just out of interest, why do you think Saliba's going to come straight in and replace someone I who, think I, I, who I think's played well for, for on on his debut season, considering all the pressure that came around with a fifty million pound signing? And would you? Would, so you don't you don't think him and Gabriel made a good partnership? And then why do you think Saliba's going to disrupt? They that did, but they cracked at the end of the year. They cracked. They did. Let's face facts here. It wasn't just uh, them, though, was it? Faith in them going down the stretch, and quite simply, they cracked. And, was that uh, was that not because of the midfield in in front of them? Do you think? Well, again, well? Uh, lack of preparation in January, and who do we have to blame for that? Questions, <laughs> questions, questions. They're tough questions, aren't they? They, they are. are t- they are tough questions, but again, you know, as I've said throughout, when we were discussing the January window, I felt that the club. And this is, again, just my opinion, that the club looked at that window and felt that they would prefer not to be knee-jerk and and overspend on players that weren't the right players with a view to doing the business that they wanted to do in the summer. Now, the summer's just begun. The window's been open for three or four days. So they've got plenty of time to, to prove that theory. They've got plenty of time to do that. And if they don't, if they come out in this summer and don't do the business that they need to do, I'll be the first person to turn around and say, hold on a minute. You left us short in January because you were clearing the decks and you didn't want to overspend and overstretch in order to make sure that we had the summer that we planned and the summer that we needed. I'll be the first person to criticize them for that if they don't go and get the players that they want. But I do believe that in spite of Basuma seemingly heading to Brighton, Arsenal are still on course to get the players that they want. Not who I want, not who Mike wants, not who you want who they want. And ultimately they will say, and they will put that across as a success if they're able to do that. If Tielemans and Jesus come in, in the two positions that we definitely need to strengthen, in my opinion, then I think that that would be a good window. And I think that all of this Bissouma talk will be swept under the carpet and nobody will ever speak about it again. And it will be done. Arsenal have never wanted Yves Bissouma in the way that the fan base have wanted him. And that's the fundamental difference here. Maybe the fan better, uh, fan base knows better. Let's do they though? Do they? Well, let, let's let's say let's say this: for us to go in with only one midfielder coming into the squad for the next year is an absolute missed opportunity. It's a, it's 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 bad planning. Quite simply, bad planning. We need two midfielders out there, and everybody knows it. All the fans know it. And if the and if management don't know it, 
then I, I don't know what to say. I think Manu should, uh, should be dismissed by, uh, by, by my estimation. I think Arteta and Edu have, have, have not uh, have met their quote unquote targets, but those targets to me have, uh, uh, should have been raised long ago. I think uh, they've had long enough uh, here to to in order to do the business that they have. Not to say that last year wasn't good business. I, I'll, I admit to that. I concede that point. However, uh, this this is not a good start. This is not this is this is a perfect. They had two years, two years to uh, to to bring forth a midfield that would challenge for top four. Not only challenge for top four. I think I think uh, a punch above their weight to 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 the top spot, and they didn't do it. They didn't do it. I would love to see. What if if Telemans is their only option this year? Then I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guys. But top four is out. I just um sorry, Elliot. Just to, I I just want to ask you. So so you, you want two midfielders to come in, but what what about the players that are already there? Because you've you've already got El Nene, you've got uh, Jackie, you've got Party, yep. you've got you've got Sambi Lakonga. Mm-hmm. So what you just want to get rid of them, or because you you know your players need to play. Well, uh, again, I would I would not have Jacka here. I think he should be gone. I I would not have I would not have El Nene here. He should be gone. I don't think uh, for Lokonga, he can stick around or, or he can go on loan. I would rather him go on loan than stick around. But I would think that of those three, uh, one of them should be out of here. I think Elneny was an absolute, uh, well, he wants to sit, let him sit. But at the end of the day, we know what his capabilities are and what he can stretch to. Shaka is, uh, is, is what he is. He's not going to get any better. He's slow in the midfield, quite simply. And, and to, to be a part of a replacement would be an absolute joke. And now we go, and and then we go towards the Congo, who is not ready for the job. Sorry, he's not ready. He's not ready. So we have, uh, if if the, we need two midfielders, that's what it comes down to. We need two, and uh, to to depend on Lokonga, El Neni, and Jaka to fill those roles. We've seen what how it happens. We just seen how it how that how that went. It went badly. It went to fifth place. That's what it went to. But, but a lot of people would argue, and, and I'm going to let you go, Elliot, just because I've got to get through the other three callers as well that are waiting before we wrap up. Um, a lot of people would argue that actually based on what the expectation was for that group, that it didn't go badly. And actually they they exceeded that expectation based on the club's view and based on what a lot of supporters felt was achievable at the start of the season. Um uh, you can argue both sides of the coin on this, I think. But Elliot, thank you so much, mate. Really Cheers, appreciate mate. your views. Appreciate you coming on, supporting. Um, where are you joining us from, by the way? I'm coming coming from Toronto, actually. So again, brilliant. Uh, it's eight thirty eight in the morning, and uh, yeah, it's, it was a pleasure <laughs> being on with you guys. And Cheers, uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for my morning run, and uh, and uh, and keep supporting this channel. You're doing good work, Tom. And uh, and again, uh, thank you very much for having me. Top thank man. you so much, mate. Catch you soon. Cheers, pal. Uh, let's bring on Paul. Paul, uh, go for it, mate. Give us your download. You can hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, mate. Go for it. Yeah, so I'm more more relaxed about uh, what's going on. I'm just frustrated that we keep leaving ourselves short. It happens most windows where we, fan base knows what we need. Uh, The club always leaves us short. So, for example, January, we, we knew that we needed a striker, if uh, Bamming or Salive, and hopefully a midfielder. The links we had in the window were for a striker, for uh, Vlaovic. We didn't go for him. Or, sorry, he decided to go to Juventus. Uh, we tried to go for Archiomelo. We didn't get him. That cost us top four. Uh, I don't think any fan would say they expected top four. 
the start of the season. But with the chance we had presented in front of us, we messed up big time. Spurs went and got uh, an attacking midfielder, went and got a mid, uh, central midfielder, improved them immediately, and that's what got them top four. So for me, it's us not acting when we have opportunities to act. Uh, in this window, for example, whoever we sign, I, I'm not going to have too, uh, too many issues with that. All I want is for the business to be done early. Beginning but, of last is season. That, is that always possible, though, Paul? That that's the point I keep making. Like, for me, it for me it should for me it should be in the sense of as a club you should have. It can't just be one player that that you want to sign for 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 a, a given position. That it, that's just not doesn't make any sense to me. There's always you should always have multiple options. I know you're going to have some rated higher than the others. Mm. But you could have two guys who you're like, these are my two first options, for example. If we can't get this guy, we're going to get this guy. The reason One I'm of the strikers... Is... Sorry, Paul. Just want, um, you're talking about Vlavic, and obviously I think Arsenal did try to go for him, but he chose Juventus. Can't blame him um, with so, that. You know, biggest team in this seat. But then one of the other players linked was Alexander Isak, and they wanted about £70 million to pay his release clause. And look how he did in the second part of the season. So if we were sat here with Isak, who, who, who would come in and produce a similar performance to what he did at Real Sociedad and scored two goals or whatever it was, we would have, we would have been sitting here thinking now, is, is he the guy to lead us forward? And this is meant to be our marquee signing. Another player linked was Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's got a poor injury record. So we're talking about Arsenal having poor injury, you know, so poor I'm, injuries. I'm not, you know, would I'm that... So it's not always easy to say, oh, him, him and him I'd want. Names. I'm, not, I'm not really concerned about particular names. The reason I'm saying we need to get our business done early is... What happened last season? We lived, we were first three games, we were down, we had zero points. I know we were playing Man City and we we're playing Chelsea, but we were won zero points. If we had all the players we'd purchased, your Tomiyasus, your Odegaards, if we had all of those in there, we could have maybe gotten three points out of out of the nine yeah possibly but those are the margins that i'm talking about i agree with you i agree with you that we need to be prepared as best as possible but not at the expense in my opinion of signing the wrong players that's that and that that's where i think that we have to be careful here because it's not always in our hands And, and remember as well in the first few games of the season we had injuries to key players in the squad who would have made a difference that we already had. We had no strikers yeah. because Laka and Oba were down with COVID. So there's a lot of there's a lot of factors as to, to why we didn't start the season in the way we'd have liked. Listen, Paul, I'm going to let you go, mate, just because I've got two other people I need to get through, but we're going to do a call-in show, okay? One, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So this go is on. not this is not Edu and Arteta. This has been happening since Wenger days. So even when, our, when Arteta was bought, he was bought as a deadline day signing. Because we weren't ready and we lost A2 to United. I remember that game. Very painful. But yeah, this is, it's been ongoing and it needs to stop. Yeah, no, great, great points. Uh, well you. made, Paul. Thank you so much, mate. And what we're going to do, as I say, we're going to do a call-in show in the next few days where I'll be able to give everybody a little bit more time uh, to have their say. Um, let's move on. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, Bobby, where are you joining us from, Bobby? I'm joining you from the Northwest in Preston. How are you doing, Harry? Brilliant. How are you doing, mate? All good, man. All, right, All good. What do you want to say, pal? 
Um, I'll keep it really brief. I think there's a couple of things that we fail to recognise. So Arsenal always leave their business very late in the window. And I think part of the reasons is because they don't want to have um, be paying all their wages throughout the pre-season. So I think that's always been the case. Because I, I can remember them saying if they do it right towards a wire, they can probably save, let's say, a third of is essentially nine weeks out of 52 that they save in terms of wages. That's one aspect. So that's why it's been a continuous pattern that's come across. So it's always been a financial incentive to obviously have players only on contract when they're due to play. That's why we always leave it down to the wire. And in term, I know you said, Harry, really quickly that the players that were available in January were available at a higher cost. There, w- there was some players that were worth real value that were probably available but I think one of the things that we always forget about in terms of the previous window, a lot of those holes that we filled weren't essential. So, for example, you look at Ramsdale. Was he that much of an upgrade in terms of Emmy? And would Leno have made that much of a difference? So you, you can kind of jostle those around, can't you? You can turn around and say, Ben White, was he essential in terms of ahead of sleep? I'm not saying Ben White's not done well, but I'm just thinking... As an overall picture, have we really strengthened? But that's that's the that's the point here that we fail to recognise as fans is that it's not essential to us looking at the roster of players that we have available to us. But to Mikel Arteta, who has a very specific way of playing and wants to play in that way from the very beginning, it was essential that he got a goalkeeper that could play with the ball at his feet. It was essential that he had a centre-back that could progress the ball in the way that Ben White does. So I think... This is why I keep saying that sometimes we just need to back off and go, okay, like, I'm not saying we should blindly follow everything they do and agree with everything they do, because I don't agree with everything they do. But I think that there comes a point where we have to recognise that we're not we're not in that dressing room. We don't know what it is that Arteta wants to do exactly. We've got an idea based on what we can see, but we don't know the nuances of it. And there's a good chance that some of his priorities differ to ours. And so if we keep getting caught up when we're comparing priorities, so, you know, Arsenal fans' priority was Bissouma. He was nowhere near the top of the list for Mikel Arteta. So we're just going to always butt heads and clash if we fail to recognise that their priorities and their views are just different to ours in, in a lot of ways. I think I agree with what you're saying, but I think what we need to look at as well is we all look at how we've spent in terms of transfer windows, but I think one thing that we fail to recognise is how much plays have depreciated under Arteta as well. And this is an Arteta bashing session. So, for example, if we look at the value under Emery for, let's say, Aubameyang, for example, Lacazette, up until what they've gone for and us paying some of his contracts down. But right across the team, if you look at the actual added in terms of how much we've depreciated in terms of plays and values, it's probably coming up to about 400 million in terms of what they're valued from under that period to what we've let them go for. And the amount of players we've let go on cheaper contracts and we've paid off some of their wages. I understand it might be with a goal, but we need to now realise that the Cronkies are saying, <clears throat> we, we can't support you anymore and we're going to have to take time. And he's already spent, let's say, over 300 million by the end of this summer. You're looking at a probably when you add up the depreciation and the actual amount of money you spent, it's a lot of money. It's a heck of a lot of money. Do you think, do you think that's a problem with recruitment as well? Cause obviously like I was talking about Willian earlier, someone like that, you're not going to make any return on investment. Aubameyang 
probably signed him when he was 29, 30, something like that. So he's not going to have a, that That was a sort of short term, you know, fix player at, at the top of his game, world-class at the time. I, I think where we will make the money is on some of these youngsters, like players like Martinelli, we bought him for what, like 7 million or something like that. I reckon if you're going to sell him now, you'd get at least like 30, 40. And another couple of years could be 60, 70. So I think that's, it's, that's, it, the it, it's it, that's what they've been trying. Yeah. That's what they're yeah. trying to do now. That's yeah. why they are going for younger players. That's why they're going for players of a certain um, profile. And and this is why I keep saying, like, I think that we're doing things in the right way, but we're not going to see the benefits of us doing these. You know, one of those players, one of a Saka, Smith Rowe, uh, Martinelli, Odegaard, could turn out to be our Felipe Coutinho, if you like. The yeah. player that we sell for big money that then gives us the ability to to make all the additions that we need to. There's so much to consider and, and it's a really fluid situation, which is why you kind of, you you the can't only, four days into the window be going crazy about it. The, the, I'm not one to go crazy about it. The only thing is when you consider the process and people are saying, you look at how it's getting longer and longer and longer, we've got to understand that nobody else, not a, a Spurs aren't in that process and it's a competitive league. We're going to fall back season after season while we're establishing our squad, our players, our process, adopting this process. We, By the time this is ready, are we even going to be competitive? Once we've got this in place, are we going to be competitive? Because mm. you realistically, look at the Spurs starting 11 in their squad. How many of our first 11 get into that team? It's not as many as you'd think. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree that there is that danger of falling further behind. But I guess the goal and the aim and the ambition is to breed sustained success. And that takes a lot of planning and a lot of strong foundations to be put in place. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much, mate. Thank I'm going to let so you know. Much, guys. Cheers, mate. We've got Have one more to get through. You yeah, too, pal. Okay. Uh, welcome to the show, Sydney. How you doing, mate? Can you hear us? Yeah. Hi, Mike. Hi, Harry. Uh, can you hear me? Hi, yeah, yeah, we can hear you, mate. Go for it. Yeah, so pretty much for me, like, I think people are trying to forget how we've been very, very backwards for a very long time. Under Asan Wenger, towards his late years in the club, we kept on maintaining top four, and people thought that was progress. Unfortunately, we didn't know that other teams like Leicester and the rest were catching up. They were building Man City, Chelsea, and all that. Now, when we let Wenger go and to kind of came back to understanding reality that we are pretty much far behind... We started playing catch-up when we should have been playing catch-up a long time ago. So now, based on that, some of the signings we've made, the mistakes we've made so far, has been ridiculous. You look at uh, players we brought in, you look at Wenger in terms of how he managed the players. I remember some people bringing out, oh, that Abamyang, Atata handling Abamyang in public was wrong. You should have done I'm like, you are feeling to understand something. Abamyang was the captain of the club. Everybody looked up to him and certain things cannot be, you know, you can't just paper it on, on the table because the young players that we're building are looking at this. The more you kind of pamper the situation, it makes it worse. Then you're bringing back the old culture when you're trying to build a new one. So I can understand certain things happening. Now people talk about transfer generally. Here's the thing. We slated the club when we bring in... Um, Someone brought to say something about when Man U beat Arsenal 8-2 and they went out signing a whole bunch of players and those were the players we needed because, hey, the trash is 8-2, let's go sign five, ten players or something. Yeah. We can't do that anymore. We have to stop doing that. You have to bring in the right profile players 
it's going to take time. People comparing us to Liverpool. People are forgetting it took five years for Klopp to do what he needed to do to where they are right now. Yeah, And it wasn't easy. It took it step by step. Now, I see the progress with Ateta and Edu based on the fact that we have the young players. They start playing very well. And people forget last season, we were the youngest team in the Premier League. Youngest. Yeah. Now, we finished top five. I can tell you nobody, in, anybody in the chat who says, oh, yeah, we we're supposed to be top four, that they're lying to themselves. It's Agreed. not. Agreed. You, we, we made that leap to, to get in top one missed out. Fine. I'm not even pissed at that. I'm even saying, okay, you know what? That's fine. I didn't even think you guys were going to make it. But guess what? You guys did top five. Awesome. Great. Youngest team in the club, youngest manager. And they achieved what they achieved. It wasn't easy. It wasn't something that I don't think there's any young team in the league that could have done that. Now, they did that, and yet we're not praising them. Rather, we're bringing them down. That is just wrong. Now, this summer, some couple of days have passed by. Why are we killing ourselves? Now, I look at people saying signing, signings. Let's go back to signings. There is no guarantee that whoever player you sign is going to rip up the whole world. Let's look at Manu. They signed Varane. They signed Ronaldo. They signed Sancho. Please, where, where did they finish again? Yeah. You look at Chelsea. They signed Lukaku. Where the hell is Lukaku now? These are the things. It's not a 100% guarantee that the signings you bring in are going to make it out. And it's not like the players I'm talking about are actually ridiculous. No, they're actually good players. But again, it points out that it's not just by player names or all that. You're building a core team and not building individual players. And that is what, if you look at these teams, like mind you, that is the problem they're facing. Chelsea, pretty much the same thing. They're not playing as a core team. And you, you have to understand that, that moving forward, you have to avoid all those individual players. Like when I look at setting profiles of signings, both Sumer, if Arsenal sign him, I'll be happy. But here's the thing, like Harry was saying something, you cannot sign players all because you feel like they're the best players or they will help the club. You have to ask the players questions. Can you be a backup? Can you be a squad player? That's the reason why Nemi has that extra contract right now. Because he's a squad yeah. player. He's willing to take that and say, yes, I'll be a squad player. But Sumer cannot come in and say, oh yeah, I'll be a squad player. That's not possible. No, that's right. Um, you look at, uh, who else can I bring up now? Tillemans, obviously, he's going to start ahead of Shaka or both of them be rotating somehow. But that's the thing. And then some people, I hear some people like, oh, if you buy, uh, say, for example, a Ganabi, would that affect Saka? Or if you bring Odega, would that affect Metro? Um, I'm like, what the hell are you guys? First of all, you want to be like uh, Liverpool and Man City, where you have players. But now, when you're trying to bring certain players, you're saying, oh, will it affect Saka? Will it affect... You have to pick one there is a reason why it's called competition. There's a reason why it's called score, score depth. There's a reason why you can't have one player and one position playing all games. It's not possible. You have to rotate. You have to have something different. I feel like if you bring in the likes of, say, Tillemans and probably Jesus and maybe one other strike, you, you, again, nobody even knows what exactly is the budget for Arsenal this season. You talk about selling players of soul. The only reason why some of the players will let go and for a very cheap price is, guess what? They were not good enough or because their character did not suit the club and the club couldn't use them. And based on that, and this is a, pretty much a bad mark. And it's not on Ateta, it's not on Edu. Yeah, it's pretty much exactly. people before them. And it's they have to let mistakes. this player go. Exactly. It's mistakes, mistakes. From the past that, that we're still paying for and we're going to be paying for for a long Thank time. You. And that's it's why going to take a while. to allow it. Yeah, exactly. That's so, why we have to just, it's why, you know, I get this all the time. You know, some somebody said earlier on, didn't they, in the show that, the fact that we, you know, 
we can't get a decent fee for Lucas Torreira means we're bad negotiators. Well, no, Lucas Torreira doesn't want to be at Arsenal. He doesn't want to be in England. He's come out and said it. So that automatically tanks his value. Then you add to that that Arsenal clearly didn't feel that he was worth trying to keep hold of because he wasn't the right fit. And he's been out on loan for a couple of seasons. That also affects the value. And you get, and then you set the precedent, don't you? You've seen Arsenal terminate people's contracts because they just wanted to get rid of them. So now if you're Fiorentina, you're not going to go and offer top whack for Lucas Torreira oh. at this stage in the window. You're going to wait till the very end of the window, knowing that if the player keeps pushing and if the player keeps making his wishes known and Arsenal have no use for him, they probably will at some point compromise. That'll either be taking a lower fee or they'll probably terminate his contract. So these clubs are not stupid as well. And we have to we have to be aware of that. But Sydney, thank you so much, mate. I'm going to let you go just Cheers, because we've, we've run 23 minutes over. Um, but as I say, we're going to do a phone-in show uh, at some point in the next few days. So stay tuned uh, to the channel for more information on that. And I'll be able to give everybody much longer uh, to share their views and opinions. We might even do a two-hour special or something because there's clearly a lot of stuff that people want to get off of their chest. But, Sydney, thank you so much, mate. Where are you joining thank us you. from, by the way? Uh, I'm from Canada right now. Brilliant. Lots of Canadians with us uh, this <laughs> afternoon. Thank you so much, mate. Catch thank you soon. You. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Mike, some interesting calls. Interesting calls. Indeed. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. You kind of just were saying, like, you're going to drop the link and then you actually did it. But, um, now, nah, fair enough, man. Look, People come on and they've got their opinions. And as long as that's sort of backed up with some sort of reasoning, I'm um, I'm all for it. Like, let's let's chat, let's challenge each other. And uh, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Opinions, exactly difference it. of opinions. Um, and yeah, as you say, as long as it's not people saying, you know, talking about Arteta's hair and talking about, you know, some things and not providing any, any explanation as, as to what they're saying. They're just throwing stuff out there then that, that that's when it annoys me. But if you come on here and you, you know, talk sense like a lot of the people have today, then, you know, all, all, it's all fair game. That's it. I don't have to agree with every opinion. But yeah. If it can be backed up and well articulated, yeah. then then I can at the very least respect it. And, um, and uh, fair play to those people that did, because there was no preparation today. It wasn't a phone-in show. It wasn't one of those where we just said, you know, in advance and, and give people time to kind of process what they want to say literally drop the link in and, and fair play to those people that jumped on because a lot of the ones that normally are very uh, vocal and very critical of of my opinions tend to be the ones that don't show up on uh, on those opportunities so is what it is anyway uh we'll leave it there some will say that's another dig but we'll leave it there i'll catch you all very soon uh, mike just remind people how they can follow you and keep up to date with your great work yeah, it's uh, just a little tag there next to my name, at Mike underscore Stavrou on Twitter. It's probably the best place. I uh, post like, links to my articles and general musings and stuff like that. Brilliant stuff. Make sure you give Mike a follow. Don't forget to hit a like on the video. Uh, there's plenty of you with us. There has been plenty of you with us uh, throughout the duration of this show. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new, and I'll catch you all very soon with more. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.